Hello, and thank you for joining us for installment three of six in a mini-series focused on showcasing the various types of business models that exist within Fivernew. I'm your humble host, Jesse Johnstone. Brian Fitzgibbon owns and operates Fivernew Vancouver. He purchased the business in 2010 and for eight years ran the franchise as an owner-operator, taking care of everything in the operation. Doing the repair work, fielding all inbound inquiries, marketing and sales, handling the scheduling, billing, bookkeeping and more. He reached a point to which wearing all of those hats was not sustainable for the long haul. So he made the switch and hired an admin to quarterback the organization and day-to-day logistics of running the business. Fivernew Vancouver was transformed the moment Erin Jackson came on board. She paved the way for Brian to do more work, which increased his revenue. He stayed more organized, was able to take proper vacations and have more family time. In this conversation, you'll hear how Brian and Aaron have structured everything and about Aaron's changing role in the business today, which continues to open up more opportunities. We hope you enjoyed listening in. Cheers. All right. Really happy, really excited to be sitting down talking with Brian Fitzgibbon and Aaron Jackson of Fiber New Vancouver. Guys, thanks very much for taking time to have this chat together. Appreciate it. No problem. Our pleasure. So as we normally do on these conversations, let's start with a bio and a background on you guys personally, and then we'll talk about the timeline of the business and Fiber New Vancouver itself. Brian, do you want to maybe just start with you? What's your background? Where did you transition from before joining Fibernew? All that kind of stuff. So uh, I was born in Ireland, grew up there and moved here as an adult uh, with my uh, newly minted high-tech degree in hand. I started working in the high-tech industry uh, in software development and I did that for 17 years. And uh, at that stage, uh, you know, life threw me a couple of curveballs. And I wanted to take a little bit more control over uh, what my future had in store. So uh, I was looking around for some opportunities to run my own business and uh, came across Fibernew. There was an existing business here in Vancouver. And uh, after discussions with the owner, who was, uh, you know, getting a little on in years and uh, looking to looking to move into his retirement. So, yeah, I assessed the business and it looked like something that I could take up, take over uh, and expand upon. Yeah, it looked like an opportunity to, to grow my own business and uh, take a little more more charge of my future. So, through, what year was that? Through so that was in 2010. Right. Uh, so we started discussions uh, fairly early in 2010. Yeah, it was it was a it was a slow discussion back and forth a number of times, but we eventually came to an agreement, and I took over in November of 2010. So that's that's when I attended training was. Uh, November in Calgary, 2010. And for a number of years, you just ran the business as an owner-operator, correct? It was uh, a man in the van set up and you yep. doing everything. Yeah, I uh, I did a couple of repairs out of the house, but for the most part, it was me, vehicle, and you know, a laptop at home on, on the dining room table. What, what year did you join? It was 2018. Years. 2018. Yeah. So from 2010 to 2018. So yeah, eight, almost eight years. I was probably working solo longer than I should have, but uh, yeah, that was the that was the time frame. And then Erin came on board in 2018 or so, and she's been with me ever since. Erin, let's go to you. What did you transition from previously? Just tell us about your... Yeah, so I was in the restaurant industry for probably about 10 years or longer. And so managing restaurants um, and then went into an administrative role as an office manager and met Brian through our children, through, through them going to school together. And 
And yeah, I was looking for something different than what I was doing. And Brian needed someone. And and uh, so we gave it a try and it worked out. Mm. So in- interestingly, the uh, Aaron initially approached me about, about working for me as opposed to the other way around. And we started those discussions. And initially it was for Aaron to come on as a technician. And Aaron was concerned about not being able to deliver in that role 100%. And so she's like, you know what, I think we need to back away from this. Anyway, it was about a year later, I approached Aaron again and said, I know you you wanted to back away uh, a year ago, but what if the role was different? What if it wasn't a technician and you didn't have those concerns? So then we started the discussion about Aaron coming on more in admin capacity. And here we are today. Your business itself, I mean, it, you've got the equivalent of more than two territories. It's a it's a legacy territory in Fibernew, as, as we call it. It's It's big. Uh, population and geographics too. I mean, it, it, you've got yeah. some miles. So let's start maybe with when Aaron came in, did you start managing the scheduling? Did you start managing some of the inbound inquiries, Aaron? Did, where did you start? Do you remember? Yeah. So um, I started first off taking a lot of the scheduling and calls, emails off of Brian's plate. Okay. Uh, I was out on the road with him to learn about the business so that I could have you know more of the language that I needed to talk to customers. And then over time, that relationship changed into me taking over uh, some of the more simple or easier um, tasks, such you know, we, we can go into that later. But um, uh, but I think originally I, the relief of admin off of Brian's shoulders was was really the most important first step. Okay, I can I can put some specifics on that for you if you like. So before Aaron came on board, uh, I was working more hours than I care to admit. So that was uh, daytime out on the road, seeing clients, getting appointments taken care of, evenings, returning phone calls up until a time when I thought it was rude to be phoning people. And after that, returning emails, because you can return emails anytime. It was long, long days, unsustainable. But not just, not only that, what I found, uh, and this became almost a pattern, was um, I would take care of appointments Monday, Tuesday, all day. By the time Wednesday rolled around, I would have nothing on the calendar because I hadn't had time to get appointments booked. Wednesday morning was a frantic three or four hours of booking appointments for the afternoon uh, and for Thursday. And that's typically about the amount of uh, work that I could book in the morning, after which I'd jump in the van and head out on the road for appointments again. And sure enough, by Friday morning, same thing. Oh, you have to play catch up again. Nothing on the calendar. I playing catch up again. Right. Um, I was I was always feeling behind contacting customers, returning phone calls, returning emails. You know that that dreaded inquiry that comes through on the second email saying, "Are you still in business?" I mean, I'm sure that's going to ring true for some fibernewers who are in the same boat. Yeah, no, and, no doubt, money was being left on the table, right? I mean, you were you were missing opportunities because of that. Well, money was being left on the table because of that. But also, I mean, when you add it up, there was a day a week that I was missing a working time. And so uh, when Aaron came on board, uh, I went from tending to appointments four days a week to five days a week because I was adding back those two mornings because Aaron was taking care of all the phone calls, all the emails and all the scheduling. She couldn't do it all right away because, I mean, there's there's a language uh, learning curve. There's a quoting learning curve. You know, at, at least people were getting an immediate response. 
And if it wasn't, you know, here's what we can do for you. It's I'll touch base with the owner and we'll get back to you uh, a little later on today. In addition to the extra day a week, um, I wasn't being interrupted when I was when I was working. So I was getting jobs done a little faster. Um, and literally the only person I would hear from in fo- from phone calls was there. So my phone went from being crazy to being actually pretty quiet. Um, it was a weird transition for me, but I knew it was being taken care of by Erin. And, and then just we would touch base on a regular basis with stuff that she wasn't sure how to proceed. My working time in front of clients went up 25% when Aaron came on. So and more revenue generating activities translated to more revenue at the end of the month. Yep. Revenue jumped the first month Aaron came on board. Like it's pure and simple. So we're, we're doing this call through Zoom and Aaron, I got to say, Brian looks pretty relaxed right now. Do you remember the uh, before and after results of seeing him when you first came into the business versus now? Can you maybe comment on kind of his stress level or disposition? Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't have I wouldn't have really known what kind of stress level he was having, but I'm I'm sure after I started working, realizing how many phone calls and emails, uh, inquiries and quotes that we needed to be doing on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. I had a pretty good picture that um, he would have been really struggling um, to keep up. And, uh, you know, it was pretty easy to see that things were getting missed. So I I think that it was obvious that Brian was uh, quite happy once we started to move into a smoother transition. And I started taking on a lot of that uh, off his shoulders. And he was very vocal about that, that he really altered his work life. No more evenings at the kitchen table. Certainly all of that panic of trying to get back to people uh, just dissipated, right? I knew people were were hearing back from, from us on a timely manner. That translates to more jobs coming in. It's probably obvious to say, but that 25% revenue jump paid for Aaron's paycheck. It was worth it and then some. Is that safe to say? There's a number of pieces to your question. The revenue jump made it absolutely worthwhile to to bring Aaron on board. The big stress before bringing on Aaron was, can I afford it? You know, or, or am I going to take a a significant uh, hit to my bottom line after Aaron comes on board? And because of that, twenty five percent revenue bump right away. Even if even if it didn't fully pay for Aaron, that the gap the gap was so small that it was absolutely worth having Aaron on board. Right. Um, because again, what I was doing was not sustainable. I knew it. My wife was telling it, telling me that. <laughs> My kids were telling me that. And at some point, I mean, you know, if you ignore that on and on and on, you know, that's that's going to crash. <laughs> Burns you out. Yeah, absolutely. It's been worthwhile bringing Aaron on board. And I mean, that's we've only talked really about the first first month or two. Since then, Aaron has learned uh, how to do quite a number of the repairs that we do. Her the, the breadth of what she can do within the business has been growing. Honestly, there's been jobs that Aaron takes on that I wouldn't have at this stage. Um, okay, like what? Just curious. Well, so for example, we um, we found ourselves getting a number of inquiries to do um, uh, to do panel replacements for Mercedes seats. The Mercedes seats they they come out of the vehicle and go back in fairly simply, but it, there's there's a learning curve to knowing how to do panel replacements like that. And so um, I wouldn't have touched it. I, I was not interested. You know, after seeing a dozen or two of these coming through and turning them down, Aaron said, well, you know what, let's um, let's try one. 
And I said, you know what, if, if you want to do that, you go right ahead. There's there's some potential downside, but there's there's huge upside. Give it a whirl. So, you know, two or three of those later, and and uh, she's got a technique down for how she goes about it. Like I said, it's, it's work I would have turned down and would still be turning down today. Uh, I don't know how to do it, and I'm okay with that. Because <laughs> Aaron sees these customers, she takes it from soup to nuts. And it's done. The whole um, other little revenue stream that opened up just because you saw the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 not it's not big. Yeah. But the customers come to our shop. Aaron takes the takes what she needs from the car, sends the customers away, and then they come back later. And Aaron's around the shop most of the time anyway. So if there's any downtime, it, well, it's it's a way to fill that downtime with a revenue stream. I think um, I ended up taking on a lot of the leather cleaning um, and aniline dyeing too. And so when I first started, those were pretty big, intimidating jobs, especially the aniline um, re-dyes. And uh, now that we've, that I've got a good system worked out, Brian doesn't really have to get involved very much with those jobs. So uh, we were able to lower the cost a little on them and just pick up more more of that work. Like in the last in the last two and a half months since there since Autumn's come on board, I think you guys have done about what five animal does. Yeah, yeah. Right? And you know they're they're a really nice revenue stream for anybody who hasn't done them. It's pretty straightforward work. Again, I haven't I haven't done one of them in the last two and a half months. And Aaron, Aaron quite likes some of the cleaning jobs that we end up with. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the cleaning jobs. So again, she and Autumn head out and go do those. So okay. um, we have a, it's not a hard line divide and conquer, but you know, we, we each got sort of some preferences and it means everything's, everything's getting tended to. Let's actually talk about Autumn a little bit more. So this is a, another employee that you've brought into the business recently. Where have you started her and, and where do you see her role going in the future? So um, we got to a point, you know the story, but I'll say it out loud for the rest of the audience. Um, I've been looking for another person to come on board for probably a couple of years. It's been, it's been a tough journey trying to find somebody. Um, I was initially looking for a technician to bring on board. I think because of the breadth of things we do, I think you know, bringing on a technician is a bit of an intimidating start for anybody. And so it was about six months ago, maybe, Aaron and I started talking about, well, you know, we, we still need somebody. And so I said to Aaron, I said, you know what, maybe you're the, maybe you're the technician and maybe we hire somebody into Aaron's role. And so what we're doing is we're transitioning Autumn in to where Aaron started four years ago, learning the business, learning how to quote the scheduling, all of that side of things that Aaron was transitioning into four years ago. Aaron is helping her with that. So I'm not even really involved in transitioning the administrative side of the business. Uh, and then Aaron is transitioning more to production. Being out in the road more and like more, you know, forward facing with clients. So Aaron, have you just learned about the restoration techniques and products just through osmosis, just through being in the business? Um, has has yeah. Brian put you through any stringent training or how was no. that, how was that uh, transition? No, Brian, I mean, Brian's constantly training me ever since day one, even when I was hired on as a, um, an office uh, manager, 
I was anything he was doing that I hadn't seen before, he was calling me in to show me. And so I've been constantly being trained. And we've also, as Brian said, there's things that I gravitate towards and that he gravitates towards. And like, there's no hard line, but there are definitely repairs and services that I tend to focus on. And there's ones that um, Brian is, is more of the sole uh, person who takes care of, such as a lot of the fiber new vinyl repairs, plastic repairs, a lot of the automotive repairs, a lot of the like higher technical sort of structural furniture repairs. But we do everything together as well. So so that's how I've been learning. And then as Autumn takes over a lot more of my role, I will start to learn a lot more of the uh, of the techniques that um, I haven't had the time to. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. That leads a little bit into a question about your office and shop setup. Brian, did you establish that when Aaron came on board? Did that come after? Do you want to talk about the impact on the business with having Absolutely. a shop? So before Aaron came on board, I was, you know, a guy working out of the van and out of my dining room table. Mm-hmm. Um, when Aaron came on board, she started out working from home. We're lucky in so far as uh, my home and Aaron's home aren't that far apart. Mm-hmm. So geographically, just that, that worked out. And Aaron had the space to, to work out of home from an administrative capacity. We took on a few jobs that had to be done out of home that were, uh, I mean, challenging to say the least. So probably within, within the first year of you coming on board, we transitioned into a shop space. So we've got probably 1,200 square feet or so that um, we use, maybe not, maybe 1,000 square feet. Uh, that we use here at a, at a warehouse location. Uh, it's a shared space with two other businesses. And uh, yeah, we've, we've just found a way to, to work together. You know, the other business are, one's a, one's a printing company and one is a, uh, a camping gear rental company. Uh, so completely unrelated to what we do, but uh, everybody's flexible, recognizing rents in Vancouver are crazy. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, we, we make it work because the working the working out of home was not something that was going to be sustainable is if we were going to keep on growing. And I look at I look at the space that we have and how we're using the space. I mean, we're we're crammed in here a little bit sometimes. You know, we have to be a bit, bit creative about how we use our space. Um, but there's no way this was going to work out of a house. It's just part and parcel with business growth, right? That you just needed a base for the operations. When we've um, we've grown the reupholstery side of the business as well as the um, other aspects, as well as the leather, vinyl, and plastic repairs. Okay. Um, and so with that comes other machinery that is needed and and space requirements. You you pack all of that together, and and working out of home was not not sustainable. For sure. Let's actually go into some detail on your markets, your verticals, your clientele. Do you want to just paint a picture of everything that you guys service right now? Sure. So uh, I'll break it down into thirds. It's not it's not exactly thirds if uh, if we look at a percentage wise, but you know I'm just trying to give you a rough a rough picture. So um, we do a third, um, about a third of commercial work and uh, commercial reupholstery. Uh, so that's um, people like uh, one of the local malls. They use us almost exclusively for any of their upholstery work. Um, we're out of the university. We've got a couple of departments that we do work for out at uh, UBC, uh, and we do quite a number of restaurants. So we'll get 
we'll get inquiries from restaurants for one or two booths to be reholstered. We do about a third uh, furniture store and warranty work. So that runs a pretty wide gamut of the kind of repairs that we do. It can be, um, it can be leather repairs, it can be uh, hand sewing or top stitch repairs. It can be, you know, retreading uh, T-nuts on leg installations. It could be a structural break. You know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty wide, wide gamut. We've also, uh, I took a wood repair course a couple of years ago. So, um, and I by no means call myself an expert on wood repair, but uh, for some of the furniture companies, um, they just want to, they just want to touch up on some little nick or some little ding. And, uh, and that's often enough. And so, you know, there's some basics that I can do that way. And then the final third would be, uh, it's kind of a split. Uh, it's about half auto bodies and dealerships. And that is, uh, you know, leather, vinyl, and plastic repairs, you know, through and through. It's, uh, you know, all the usual kind of things that you would expect. For body shops, it's often glass cuts from break and enter. And so it's not extensive damage usually, but, you know, it can be a, it can be a hundred little chip, little you know, tiny little cuts uh, across the top of a door panel or on the seat. Okay. Um, for dealerships, it's often for the uh, pre-owned cars that are coming through. You know, the, the work I do is often for something like a Mercedes dealership, where they have fairly high expectation level from their clientele. Mm-hmm. And so a customer comes in as buying a pre-owned car, but they're expecting it to be in almost new condition. So that every now and again, it's for parts department. They've got a part that comes in that's partly damaged, or it can be for the service department where a customer arrives in and says, you know, I'd like this fixed as well. And they say, no problem. We've got a guy who can do that. The dealerships are interesting for those who don't do a whole ton of work for dealerships. They, they really are three separate departments and, and some, you know, sometimes even four. Um, there's new car sales, pre-owned sales, there's service and there's parts and they, they are run. Uh, it's amazing to me how distinctly those are run. Under they the don't same, always talk to each other, do they? Under the same roof. They don't. <laughs> I, so, so on that, it's, you laugh, but um, I've had a scenario where I was called in by the service department to repair like an A-pillar on a, on a car. And uh, I look at this thing, it's pretty badly damaged. And an A-pillar, I'm thinking, well, this can't be a very expensive piece. So from the parking lot of the dealership, I phone the parts department of the same dealership. I give them the VIN number that I'm reading off the car in the parking lot. And I ask, how much is the A-pillar, the left-hand side A-pillar? And they'll tell me, you know, it's 200 bucks. And I go back and talk to the service guys. And I say, you know, this part's only 200 bucks. You know, you... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how, how is it I'm the conduit between you and your parts department who are over there. I can see them from where I'm standing. <laughs> That's how important you are to their business. They need you to make that happen. So anyway, just, it's funny. Um, so that last third I was talking about, half of it is uh, body shops and dealerships, uh, and the other half is residential. So again, that can run the gamut of cleaning, redyes, repair work, uh, cuts, tears, cast scratches, you name it. It's, it's a pretty, again, a pretty wide variety. Yeah. Aaron, what would you say the split would be between account-based work that sounds like you guys do a lot of just repeat work for, for businesses and warranty companies versus the 
maybe the one-off work that comes in through customers through your website? Every week we're working for private customers. Um, so it isn't a small amount of work. Uh, a lot of our men is private customers for sure, uh, but not all of them go through with repairs. Uh, so I would say probably more like that 80-20 around okay. that. Yeah. So 80% being the, the account-based commercial work, 20% private work? Yeah, yeah, I would say more. The When you say account-based, um, I mean that's that's repeat customers over and over again. The some of the commercial work that we do is very one-off as well. We've had restaurants that call us to do one booth, and we never hear from them again because well, the booth is done. <laughs> yeah. So the the repeat business, you know, eighty percent might be a hair high, but but certainly in that sixty eighty percent range. Yeah. Okay. It's it, it's a lot of repeat ongoing clients. Yeah. And then what about growth potential? What do, you, what do you guys see as the roadmap or plans going forward for your business? The, the immediate goal would be to take Autumn from where she is today, um, which is still a bit deer in the headlights, you know, trying to figure out how to code properly, get her to the point where she's more self-sufficient uh, and Erin can be literally fully freed up to work on repairs. You know, immediately after that, we'll be just getting a, a better handle on all of the work that already is coming in and making sure we're tending to it all. Past that, Aaron and I just started talking about uh, proactively trying to build business. I would love to see two to three mornings a week hitting a new restaurant in town because our our, our model is we, we go in and we take care of a restaurant between the hours of 8 and 11 in the morning. Uh, our promise to them is to not interrupt their service and all the restaurants love it. You know, it would just be a really nice base to build on. And then beyond that, um, have the afternoons taken care of um, uh, seeing residential customers uh, and getting in-home repairs done uh, and plowing through stuff that comes through the shop. You know, it's not a it's not an ironclad plan yet. We brought Aaron on board just knowing we needed help. And uh, and what the exact future looks like, it's not a it's not a roadmap per se, but uh, there's. Uh, as you alluded to earlier, it's a big area we have here. There's lots of work. And uh, I just want to tap into as much as we can. Brian, you just recently had a, a trip back to the homeland. You, you were in Ireland for a while. Yeah, yeah two weeks. Uh, two weeks, good for you. Yeah, so you brought yeah. your family with you, no doubt, and, and uh, did yeah. the whole experience there. Yeah. Just tell us about what it was like, you know, just leaving, knowing the business was taken care of and having a good time on the other side of the world. I guess to tell that story, maybe I'll, I'll I'll tell you what it was like prior to Aaron coming on board and trying to do the same trip. Let's do the before uh, and after. <laughs> so the before would look like, you know, we, I would go away to Ireland. Uh, any of my regular clientele, I would tell them I was going to be gone for two weeks. You know, none of them were happy about it, but they understand everybody needs vacation. But um, in Ireland, because of the time change, I knew that by the time four o'clock came around in the afternoon over there, I was going to start receiving emails and phone calls. Uh, and from four to about midnight, I knew that I was on deck administering my business and making sure that people were hearing back in a somewhat timely manner. Yeah, it was it was difficult to manage. I mean, I'm trying to be on vacation while at the same time from four to midnight, um, answering calls and emails. And, uh, and I remember, I specifically remember getting the time zone change wrong one day, phoning somebody at 
11 in the morning Irish time, which is super early three in the morning Vancouver time. <laughs> and I realized after about the second ring, I hung up and I'm like, oh, that's really bad. <laughs> I need to, I need to do something different because this isn't working. <laughs> um, so, you know, roll the clock forward. Aaron's on board. We've got Autumn just started as well. We have uh, we have a, a, a collective list of sort of tasks that might need my attention. And I have an app that I can use. It's a Google Tasks app that I can bring that up. Every now and again, when I was in Ireland, I would check that just to make sure there was nothing that needed my immediate attention. There might have been a couple that did. Uh, I fire in my quick reply into, into that and... Uh, didn't worry about it after that. I knew I was going to be busy when I got back. That's the nature of going away on holidays. Every fiber newer out there has experienced that. But while I was away, I knew every customer was being called or replied to in their email. Um, the lion's share of them were getting quotes in a timely manner. And anybody who wasn't was at least being told the owner's away on vacation for a couple of weeks. Um, you know, he'll get back to you the week he returns. Just stress level was down, um, and I had a better vacation as a result. And so nice to come home to a full schedule of work as well, right? Just lined up for you. I mean, that that's a good feeling too. Yeah, and Aaron, Aaron was nice enough to, to leave a day of transition as well. <laughs> <laughs> Not 8 a.m. I think, on I think he morning. could have used about three days, but I didn't let him have <laughs> Good call, Aaron. Good call. Yeah, right. But yeah, as you say, right, I, I came back and, you know, I was able to look at the calendar and say, okay, well, there's, you know, there's a full week of work lined up, you know, none of which I had to organize. Um, and so the revenue stream for the business isn't all that interrupted. And it's, you know, it's back into it. Yeah. So in terms of running the business, it's just the right business ran while I was gone. I came back and stepped back into it again. It's very comfortable. Aaron, just quickly from a technical side of things and platforms and software and systems and whatnot, um, you want to just describe how you run everything. You obviously have your Google account. You've got your Jobber account. Anything out of the ordinary? Brian mentioned that the Google Task app. Do you want to just paint a picture of everything you use, all the systems, how it all works? Really, we've just been pretty Google dependent, uh, Google Docs, Google Calendar. When I came on board, Brian was using like a paper calendar. So we got rid of that. <laughs> I started using uh, the Google Calendar. I color code all my appointments so that I know I'm grouping different areas such as uh, West Vancouver, North Vancouver, Vancouver, and then things that aren't appointments have different color codes. And then we use the task list to uh, communicate with each other and you know not drop the ball on certain things that we need to get done. We are going to be transitioning over to Jobber. We're yeah. slow in that transition and I'm the hold up on that. Uh, and uh, I try to look at the hurdles that are in front of the business on a regular basis, find out what they are and resolve them. And on this one, I'm the hurdle. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. At least you recognize it. That's the important I, thing. That, no, self-reflection. That's the first step. <laughs> Guys, just in closing, any advice you would offer to other franchise owners in adding employees, growing the team through lessons learned in your experience, anything you could pass on? The first lesson I would pass on would be, um, again, through my own school of hard knocks, um, don't 
don't wait until your business is beating you up. Um, you probably need help sooner than than you're willing to admit to yourself. So start. Be be objective. Take a step back from your business and be objective and ask yourself, you know, what is the right time? And there's there's lots of ways to convince yourself that it's too early that I can't afford it. But you can also flip that story on its head. And you can um, you can look at the value that an employee is going to bring uh, and the potential in terms of revenue growth for the business. Aaron, what about from your side as someone coming into the business? Yeah, well, I mean, we've we've employed a few people here, which have not uh, worked out until autumn. Um, so I think the lesson that we've learned is to be really open minded and flexible about um who you're hiring. Uh, don't be too rigid in your idea of what it is that you that you want. Because when we decided to change things up and actually hire someone similar to myself who would start an admin, but was also interested in the business and learning um, some of the different technical skills, that really made it much easier to hire someone. Whereas before, when we were trying to hire a technician or a Brian too, um, we weren't having success in that. It doesn't mean we won't have success in that way eventually, but it's, you know, just being flexible and um, trying to also figure out, okay, what will, what will be beneficial to the, to, to opening up more time for Brian it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a technician in a van. It can also be employees who are um, taking over some of the easier tasks and and slowly moving into those more difficult roles. And that's part of being dynamic and, and understanding that the roles could morph just like it, they morph for you, right? Exactly. There's a bunch of different ways that you can bring on help into the business. And um, I mean, I think you want to be you want to understand the different ways that you can do that. Uh, you want to be, you want to be, you want to know what you need. Uh, you want to be flexible with who you're bringing on board, um, but not to the point of being compromising, right? I don't think you want to compromise on. Okay, well, I need A, B, C, D, and E. Okay, and the person I'm looking at, I have to compromise on A, B, C, and D. Well, you want to be flexible but not compromising in terms of what you need. And um, that's, that's a really difficult balance. Uh, I know that um, we had such a hard time finding people that um, some of the people we brought on board, I, was, I probably compromised what I was looking for. And um, I mean, we had, we had somebody last three days before he walked out. We had somebody last a day and then walked out. And this is after coming for a ride along to know what they were getting into. And... You know, so like, you know, somebody lasts a day after coming for a ride along prior to that. Like, okay, I, I did everything I could. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, to just to reiterate what I was saying before, I mean, don't, don't stand in your own way. Recognize if, if you're the hurdle, your business have to get over, has to get over and, and do something about it. I think those are really good, strong parting words. Uh, guys, this has been a, a fantastic conversation. Aaron, Brian, thanks a lot for your time. We'll let you get on with your day. I look forward to talking again soon. Yeah. been a pleasure. Take care. Thanks very much. Thanks again to Brian and Aaron for taking time to share their story with us. 
Join us on the next installment of the Business Models mini-series where we sit down with what we call Team Nashville. Five new franchise owners JT Thompson, Matt Mead, and Mark Chastain each own their own franchises in the greater Nashville area. They explain how they've joined forces and pooled resources in hiring a shared admin team who keep all three of them organized and presented professionally in the Nashville market. It's so smart on so many levels. Music on this episode is courtesy of Peter, Bjorn, and John, as well as Los Lobos. Until next time, take good care out there. Cheers.